Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi and welcome to the Stem Cells at Lunch Digested podcast. I'm Ella Hubber, a PhD student in the Department of Diabetes at King's College London and today I'm joined by Anna Maria Kushba, PhD student in Rathio Sancho's lab in the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi Anna Maria, thanks for joining me. Hello, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Very nice. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. So you are coming to the end of your PhD. So do you mind just telling us what you've been doing during your PhD? Maybe uh, the elevator pitch. Sure. Um, so during my PhD, I've been working uh, on a rare type of monogenic diabetes, which is called uh, maturity onset diabetes of the young uh, or MODI which is a rare genetic disease that usually happens in this uh, in these patients. So I was trying to understand uh, an unknown mechanism through which one of the most common yet unstudied uh, mutation um, can trigger a moditary uh, diabetes. So um, I used this, I um, did this by using uh, human-induced pluripotent stem cells, which are derived from these patients together with uh, pancreatic organoids in culture in vitro. Great. So you did mostly in vitro work then? Did you did you do any in vivo work? So uh, actually, not very much. So the only the only in vivo work uh, was the collaboration, which actually we did with your uh, department, uh, with your group. So basically, we tried to see the potential of the organoids we cultured in vitro by transplanting them in immunocompromised mice to see if they develop further into more mature beta-like cells. Uh, but that was a pilot study, so it was very, very little in vivo work. But I must say it was really interesting to to see that. I wouldn't say I'm, I have yet the skills to do in vivo work. It's mainly been in vitro, my main PhD. Right, yeah. Sorry, just that was for my own interest. But actually, to take a step back, what did you find, I guess? Yes. Um, so we actually uncovered um, a new way of how this mutation can lead to a truncated version of, of the protein. Uh, and this truncated version of the protein not only affects um, itself because it can dimerize with itself and uh, can affect the signaling, but also it affects the signaling of another protein that can interact with, which is HNF1 beta. So it is known that the two proteins can interact to form heterodimers and to induce transactivation of important genes in uh, liver and pancreatic development, but it hasn't been really studied in this context. So we demonstrated that the mutant truncated version of the protein can actually also impair uh, HNF1 beta signaling, which uh, was something new that we, we unraveled. Yeah. Amazing. Are you writing any papers or anything about this? Are you hoping to get published? Yeah, it's funny you're mentioning this because for the past uh, year, I've been trying to make figures uh, to, you know, publish them. And I think because obviously it's the first time that uh, I'm doing this. So I think it does take a lot of time to try and figure out the message you're trying to say and, you know, really complete the gaps for the experiments to show uh, what you think um, and your hypothesis. So for the past year, I've been constructing figures and doing more experiments and then going back to them. And then I think now we are at a stage when we have a manuscript which is drafted and we are just reviewing it with other people that have been important in the in the project. And hopefully we can get it published soon. Um, so, yeah, it's quite exciting, but also quite scary. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I'm I'm starting to think about publishing now and it's uh, quite daunting, I think. I totally agree. Yeah. If you uh, publish and reviewers' comments come back asking for more experiments, 
are you going to stay on and do these? So it's funny you're mentioning this because I was just applying for jobs and I got a new job yesterday. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So actually, that means that, um, well, I agreed with my current supervisor, with Rocio, that I can stay for another three months because that's the limited funding we have available. Um, and um, I believe that hopefully I can do most of the experiments that will need to be done in those three months. But I do understand there could be more experiments to be done. So, for example, anyone in the lab that has the time or wants to get involved and you know participate and be in the paper can uh, hopefully help. And I think, yeah, my lab is very collaborative that way. So I hope if that's the case, maybe, yeah, we, we can do it together. So where are you heading off to now? Are you staying in diabetes, going somewhere completely different? So actually, I don't stay in diabetes. So um, I was, I just moved, um, well, I will be moving to, to Sanger and working on uh, single cell RNA sick, which, you know, you also like very much. <laughs> um, so I'll be, I'll be doing my postdoc in Sarah Teichmann lab. Um, so I'll be working yeah, with uh, human cells and human patient samples, because I'm really interested in human biology. And I think it kind of aligns with, with my interests and also trying to set up a new organoid platform from lung, uh, for example. So yeah, it's actually changing the, the fields quite a bit. I think my passion is for organoids. So whenever I see organoids, I just really get uh, excited. But of course, diabetes has been at the core of, of the last few years for my studies. So um, yeah, let's see what happens in the future. And you were using pancreatic organoids throughout your project then? Yeah. So we developed this, this new way of, with other, which other labs also have started to do, uh, just to expand these progenitors in a 3D environment. So they develop into these cultures which have a 3D structure, which is basically a conglomerate of, of cells, which we call organoids, uh, because they have this lumen inside. And um, you can expand them up to multiple passages using this uh, 3D, 3D cultures. And yeah, that actually really sparked my interest in, in organoids. Um, so yeah, they're really interesting, beautiful structures. <laughs> I love organoids and I do think they're absolutely beautiful. I do wonder sometimes if they are a good representation of in vivo you know, of an in vivo environment, especially since I know that from someone else in your lab, Chris, that those pancreatic organoids are very robust. They will live forever with really trying. And that doesn't seem like something that pancreatic tissue would normally do. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's a very good point. And actually, the ones that he works on, uh, the ductal organoids, they are very, very robust. And obviously, a really cool system to work with because, you know, you can do a lot of different experiments with them. Um, so the ones that I, the human ones are a bit more sensitive. They, they can be quite stable in culture up to passage 15, but then beyond, it's really good to get fresh ones. So they are not as stable as the mouse ones, for example. And I believe that what we promote in these cultures is a very regenerative state. Uh, of course, in the field of diabetes, that's still quite debatable, you know, because of people believing in a, in a stem cell or a progenitor cell uh, population. But it's been quite established that, for example, progenitors that express just one single marker can really expand. And this is actually something that happens during development, too. So, uh, for example, PDX1, so which is a marker that, that marks this progenitor, can really um, expand at one stage during development. I think they are, as you said, they are definitely very far from the in vivo um, 
conditions. We still lack a lot of cell types in these organoids, and also the efficiency to differentiate to beta cells is not as high. So I believe, for example, they would really benefit from endothelial cells, from mesenchymal cells, um, just to really have a more in vivo uh, tissue-like. Um, and also, we, I think in the field of diabetes, people are really um, hung up with the idea of making beta cells. But actually, to really have a pancreatic organoid from the pancreas, you'd have to have exocrine cells there too, because that's 98% of, of the pancreas. And we are really promoting just this 2%. So it would be really good if we had the rest of the cell types to really have a very comparable system. Uh, but I think it's just at the beginning. There's very few studies which have looked at organoids. And I think in the next 10 to 15 years, we are really going to develop it better, as, for example, happens with the gut organoids, which are really well understood. I mean, from my point of view, just having the rest of the islet cells would be a good next step, not even just beta cells, but the other endocrine cells. People don't even seem to be looking into that as much as, yes, you're right, they're very focused on getting that beta cell, which isn't everything. I think it's a very translational point of view because obviously with diabetes, we just need beta cells. So everyone's been focused on that. But actually, Douglas Melton only recently has shown that, you know, um, you can actually promote different cell types and actually that's more beneficial uh, in these cultures. And I think they're aiming to put them into, you know, animals to try and understand if this will create a more physiologically relevant system to really look for cell transplantation purposes. Um, if, you know, the aim being to really make a, a transplant that's that's efficient. And I believe, yeah, as you said, really having the representation of the other cell types would be really good. So fingers crossed. <laughs> and I guess you'll be going and, and exploring organoids in more depth now, which is quite exciting. But speaking of translational aspects, I mean, you, you and I were on a, uh, a translational medicine program uh, for the Wellcome Trust. And uh, your, but your research could be, uh, I mean, seen as quite basic. And for those listening, I don't mean uh, simple, I mean, in fundamental in what you're looking at. How do you see this kind of understanding of this gene in Modi kind of translating into clinical setting? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, because we identify this new interaction with HNF1 beta, we think that maybe, you know, overexpression of that factor was really impacting this interaction that can affect its uh, transactivation potency, can really have a more clinical phenotype, for example, in the Modi 3 patients. Uh, of course, there is still a lot more validation to be happening to see whether this can really rescue um, the phenotype. But I think that would be like a potential gene therapy intervention could really help maybe in a more clinical setting. Um, yeah, to speak about a translational point of view. Excellent. So I think I'll leave the science for a minute because we normally interview postdocs or people who have had their own lab groups for many, many years, have been in science for many years. And so it's quite unique to be able to talk to someone who's very, very early in their career. You know, you're going to, into your first postdoc. I've been feeling a little bit nervous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about carrying on in science and research and academia? Uh, the field in front of you, it's, you know, it's quite a difficult landscape to go into right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Actually, I had my own doubts about what I really wanted to do and whether, you know, a postdoc is the right choice. Um, I think 
my main motivation for wanting to do it is that I really find a lot of thrill to really be able to discover or come up with an idea yourself that you want to explore in the lab. Um, and I really wanted to learn something new um, and to work with organoids because I'm still very interested in them. As you mentioned, I'm really also very interested in the translation aspects of it. So, for example, this this project that I'll be part of is part of the Human Cell Atlas, which aims to, you know, make a, a map of all the cell body of this of the cells in the body. Um, so the same as it's been done with the Human Genome Project, which was a, you know, a breakthrough uh, field because this really allowed people to do so much more than before. So I think it's very challenging to try and figure out what you want. Um, I think I went with my gut feeling that I really want to really you know, have those years in which I can explore more and see if I'm capable to come up with my own ideas, if I'm capable to, you know, uh, really go into the full academic route, or if that doesn't work out, you know, to kind of open doors for other possibilities. So that would be something translational industry. So I think uh, I'm still open-minded towards like different options. Uh, but I, as you said, I think it's, it's very challenging to be an academic. It's quite an intense job. So let's see if that will happen for me. <laughs> well, you sound, you know, incredibly passionate. So I wouldn't, I'm glad that it's someone like you who's carrying on. But uh, anyway, I think that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much for uh, joining me, Anna Maria. Well, thank you very much for, you know, chatting to me. It was a really, a really nice uh, on chat to have. And, and good luck uh, going into your first postdoc. Yeah, thank you. I need that. And also to finish my thesis and everything else. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. When are you uh, submitting? Uh, I'm submitting at the end of March. So, uh, yeah, it's been intense trying to find the job while, you know, finishing thesis and finishing. Yeah. But uh, hopefully things will settle down a little bit now that I know I'll have a salary. <laughs> and the jobs and well people listening to this send uh, good luck Anna Maria's way if you want to know anything else about her work then we'll, there'll be links in the show notes in the description on SoundCloud and if not join us next time thank you for listening thank you thank you